You might be asking yourself, what else can AI do? Well, here's one thing, it can make campaign ads. But should it? Today we talk about how much, if at all, politicians should be allowed to use AI to get their messages out there. Hello, you're listening to On The Merits, the news podcast from Bloomberg Law and Bloomberg Government. I'm your host, David Schultz. Last spring, the Republican National Committee came out with an ad called Beat Biden that imagined the dystopian future that awaits if the president wins re-election. Financial markets are in free fall as 500 regional banks have shuttered their doors. Border agents were overrun by a surge of 80,000 illegals yesterday evening. It's safe to say the ad made little, if any, impression on voters, but it had a seismic impact in the world of political campaigns and the people who work on them. That's because Beat Biden was made entirely using generative AI. Just weeks later, the use of AI, quote, deep fakes by political campaigns was strongly condemned by the American Association of Political Consultants, a multipartisan trade group that represents folks in the political trade. The association specifically said that the use of deep fakes would violate its code of ethics, and it reserved the right to sanction any of its members who use them. At first glance, this stance seems totally reasonable. No one would or should think it's okay for campaigns to use AI to deceive voters. But there's an argument to be made here that the AAPC may have gone a little too far. At least that's the argument made by today's guest, Jessica First Johnson. She's an election law attorney at the firm Holtzman Vogel, and she's also served as the general counsel of the Republican Governors Association and the National Republican Congressional Committee. Johnson's also acutely aware of how easy it is for campaigns to abuse this new technology, but she says the political world may be getting caught up in our society's broader AI panic. Used properly, she says, outsourcing work to AI can level the playing fields for campaigns strapped for cash, and furthermore, the prospect of new AI regulations from the Federal Election Commission poses some really serious questions about campaigns' First Amendment rights. And I should say, we reached out to the AAPC here and its president, Larry Wynn. He said the policy was really meant to target believable deepfakes, not necessarily AI used for humor or satire purposes, where it's clear that what's being depicted never actually happened. Okay, so we'll get into all of that in a bit. But first, I start off by asking Johnson about how technology has changed the campaign business since she started working for the Republican Party 15 years ago. Oh, my goodness. Uh, I mean, well, when I started as party committee counsel in 2009, we had a, quote, e-campaign department, right? So there was still this, you know, question of, like, whether the Internet was going to be uh, impactful in politics, and if so, how? That was back when you could, like, just put e in front of something, and that would be futuristic. Yeah, and so now, holistically, you know, you're running medium agnostic campaigns, right? Your message is the same, regardless of if you're on TV and print or uh, online. And so that has really required the way in which we communicate with voters to change rapidly. And so really, this field has exploded over the last two decades. It's unrecognizable. But now let's talk about how things have changed just in the last year or so, uh, and specifically with AI. We were talking earlier, and I think you mentioned that there have already been some examples of campaigns that have used AI to create ads or or to get their message out there. Can you explain what's been going on and give me some some of those examples? Sure. Um, Well, the RNC, you know, released an ad that was, I think, described best as like a dystopian view, you know, from their perspective as to what the world would look like 
should uh, Biden be reelected. I saw reported in the press that you know there was a Pennsylvania candidate that was utilizing this very new technology whereby this um, AI-generated robot actually made these calls to, to voters and to different people and was able to tailor the message specifically based on the interests of the individual. But what's, you know, I think very different about that is that you're completely offloading a conversation, you know, that perhaps the person receiving the call may or may not realize is AI generated, right? And then you're relying on this robot to communicate correct information in response to whatever this person or voter asks about. And there's really no way of predicting that. So in the past year, we've just seen AI. It feels like every single week there's a new use for AI in in politics. And it's all over the map in terms of the level of uh, connection to reality. And so, you know, we're really trying to adjust quickly to these new technologies and frankly, the regulation and the transparency efforts can't quite keep up. Let's get into though your stance because based on our earlier conversation, I get the sense that you're a little concerned about overregulation. Um, and I wanted to specifically talk about the policy statement that the American Association of Political Consultants put out. Tell me first off a little bit about this statement, what it said, uh, and your thoughts on it. Sure. So. You know, I think backing up a minute, like just generally speaking, everybody has heard lawyers all the time use the phrase slippery slope, right? But I think that really applies here um, because it is so new and there is sort of this gut reaction that like somebody needs to do something, but how much of something and when and how is, is sort of up for discussion and debate. And so I did think it was interesting that the American Association of Political Consultants kind of entered the fray and they put out this statement um, which, by the way, was like an update to their ethics code, which I think, you know, that in of itself is interesting because it's framing this as an ethical issue, which I think is, you know, something that we should take note of. And they concluded that, you know, this deep fake technology, as they called it, has no legitimate place in political discourse, right? So they were very clear that the the use of generative AI in a way that is misrepresenting or creating this appearance that something happened when it actually didn't, that there's no room for that. Um, and I do think, you know, personally, I do think that's true, but I think it's, it's, it's one thing to say that, and we can all sit here and agree that that's the case. And then I think when you start teasing out, you know, the different sorts of technologies and advertising opportunities and labeling, you know, you know, something is a deep fake and something else is perhaps a little less deep fakey, but maybe more still misrepresentational, you know, where, where is the line? Um, and when do you start kind of uh, intruding on just general creativity and the ability to create a really compelling advertisement um, that's based in truth, but, you know, takes great creative liberty with actors or, you know, computer generated images. It's just a, it's a hard thing, I, I think, to regulate very tightly. Yeah, because I was thinking about this. And, you know, if we're going to say that images that aren't real, but are, you know, generated by a computer are not okay in campaigns. Well, we've had Photoshop for a long time. That's a computer program that does basically that. Um, and you're right. I mean, what about ads that involve reenactments or, you know, uh, actors. So it sounds like there is a, a potential here to go too far with the, the regulations. Yes. And the other thing is that, 
you know, campaigns are by and large low budget operations. I mean, there's some exceptions to that. Presidential campaigns certainly are are the large exception. But you know, if you, it, you know, this is not a conversation or a um, a type of function that's limited to presidential campaigns. It's something that campaigns at all levels are really looking at, especially campaigns, you know, for younger generation folks who tend to be more familiar with technology like this. And so, you know, if they're a low budget operation, it would be ideal if you're a campaign to figure out where you can offload some costs from humans and put it on machines. And, you know, to the extent that you can save money on maybe doing a huge photo shoot with real life people and sets because you're able to create it via computer, you know, is that really all that bad? I think the general thought would be no, as long as it's not misleading or misrepresenting, um, particularly something your opponent is doing. Tell me also about the FEC, because I get the sense that there is some talk that the agency is also looking into this and also thinking about, uh, you know, establishing some regulations on the use of AI in campaigns. What is the FEC thinking about doing? Where is that at? Where is it at? And what's happening there? Yeah, so at the Federal Election Commission, you know, if you are um, interested in seeing a rulemaking where you don't feel like that currently exists, you have the ability to submit um, a petition for rulemaking and ask the FEC to take some action. And so Public Citizen has submitted two different but very similar petitions for rulemaking to the Federal Election Commission asking the FEC to specify that this provision that's already on the books related to like fraudulent misrepresentation, as they call it, is going to apply here in this AI context. And so there, and and of course, that would require further clarification about what exactly fraudulent misrepresentation is, right? So there's this this request from public citizen, like, hey, you need to do something here. This is, you know, having a tremendous effect in politics already, but likely to explode. So maybe rather than engage in another rulemaking, can you clarify that this fraudulent misrepresentation provision that we're all already familiar with that's on the books, that this applies in this context? Um, The FEC has not taken them up on this yet. They've not done anything. They move um, very respectfully to the commissioners a little bit slower than than the average bear. So, um, you know, I don't think anyone's <laughs> holding their breath. I don't think they're the only federal agency that uh, that could that could apply to. <laughs> you might be right. Um, I, but I think there's also some question as to whether they have the ability to regulate on this, whether they have the authority to do this. And, you know, as is often the case with brand new spaces, you know, that is that is another perhaps more boring but equally important question, which is like who actually has jurisdiction to um, wade into this and, and regulate this area? Yeah. Now, I want to make sure I understand where you're coming from. Uh, it sounds like you're concerned about excessive regulation of AI in political campaigns. But do you think that there should be like no rules and that it should be kind of a laissez-faire? Like, do you have a liber- or sort of a libertarian perspective? Or do you think it there should be some rules, but just we should sort of tread lightly and, and take a small c conservative approach here? Um, I mean, you've nailed me in the fact that I am generally like more tending to be uh, against, you know, overregulation just generally across the board. And so that's certainly true here. I am nervous about the uh, effects of overregulation. But listen, there are clearly some things that we could do that I think we should consider. I know Senator Ricketts has introduced, I believe, legislation to talk about, you know, a watermark. Like, is it possible that a watermark can go on? Um, There have been tons of conversations about disclaimers and, frankly, whether that would be enough. You know, does anyone read disclaimers today already? So, you know, is a disclaimer enough to alert the public that what they're seeing was generated by a computer? So I'm not opposed to some 
small efforts, you know, particularly to a disclaimer or something like that, you know, but I, I do worry that, you know, the, the, if we get to a place where we're debating that, does it, does it get pushed as so often as the case, you know, on Capitol Hill and beyond, does it get pushed even further where, you know, that doesn't seem to be enough. And then all of a sudden we're having conversations about what speech is appropriate and um, what speech is, you know, is the computer speaking? Is the person, I mean, I don't I just, I don't know where this would go. So, you know, I do um, foresee a time where this gets pushed far enough that it seems like something absolutely does have to be done. Um, I'm, I'm just not sure what that something is. And, you know, to be quite candid, uh, take AI out of it. You know, we're already in this place where politics is, is generally so divisive that we're, we're seeing misrepresentations already in television commercials all the time, you know, without AI at all, just using words, right? You know, in that case, because the candidates have First Amendment protections, do you go after the stations for, you know, a violation of their obligations under the FCC licensing requirements? Um, th this idea that, you know, AI is the only way that um, misrepresentations are made in political communications is is crazy, to be honest. And so I, I worry, you know, we haven't been able to regulate just the general misrepresentations, which fly all the time, um, how in the world are we going to do this here? Right. Uh, finally, I wanted to talk about the future and uh, not the distant future, the very near future. Um, you know, there's a political campaign going on right now. The Republican nomination is, is you know, well underway. Uh, but furthermore, we're in an election year, a presidential election year. We're going to have uh, House races, Senate races, and of course, the presidential race. Do you see AI playing a big role in this year's races, in this election cycle? Or do you think that we're maybe one or two election cycles away from it having a significant role? I think it will uh, be, you know, as big this year as it continues to be in the future in terms of, you know, the, it's developing so quickly that, you know, we'll see things this year that seem commonplace in two years, but then there will be new things in two years that we could never have envisioned. So I just think we're, you know, I think this is going to burn for a while and continue to kind of snowball and grow. But the idea that it's going to be like the biggest story at the end of the cycle, I think is a little uh, incorrect. I, I think, you know, it, it's certainly the shiny new thing, right? It's fun to write articles about, it's brand new, you know, it's easy to speculate. Um, so nobody's really right or wrong at this point. Uh, but I don't, I think there are so many other issues that are really critical in this particular election that voters are, you know, weighing personally that I don't think it's going to be the story of the cycle by any means. More specifically, do you think that, you know, around Halloween time, late October, people are going to be turning on their local news or turning on Jeopardy or Wheel of Fortune, uh, you know, and see a political ad for their local candidate or for President Biden or for former President Trump? that will be totally made by AI. Absolutely, I mean, I think, yeah, absolutely. I think we could definitely see that. I think the question though is, is that ad that is totally made by AI that's running around Halloween, is that misrepresentational or not? And I think that's the thing that's maybe getting lost in this discussion about how and when to regulate. Are, are, we, are we regulating because we're concerned about just the general use of AI, which frankly is like sort of where I would put that initial RNC ad, which was like a huge, you know, topic of discussion among political circles, or, are we intending to uh, regulate misrepresentations and deepfakes that are made from AI? And I think that is the more concerning piece to me. So 
Do I think that, you know, in October we're going to be seeing potentially ads that are enti entirely generated by AI? Sure. Like, that wouldn't surprise me at all. Do I think that they there will be every political ad is going to be chock full of misrepresentations? No. I mean, I think at the end of the day, like, voters are relatively savvy, right? I mean, they're going to be asking questions. They're going to be paying attention. You know, all of the polling data shows you that in January of an election year, folks aren't typically paying all too much attention, but in October of an election year, they are. And so they're going to be paying attention. They're going to know. It also puts pressure on, you know, news outlets like yours to have conversations about this, to communicate with voters about things they should be thinking about and to alert them that this is going on. And then, you know, obviously, as we've discussed, things don't move super quick uh, up here on the Hill in a regulatory context. But, you know, there's certainly um, pressure if you just look at the number of AI-related bills that have been introduced in the House or Senate. This is an important topic. And so I think um, it's not crazy to envision that by October we see some regulation uh, somewhere, uh, you know, on this topic. It's just hard to imagine exactly what that is. Yeah. All right. Well, that's something to look forward to, voters, uh, later this year. Uh, that was Jessica First Johnson with Holtzman Vogel speaking with us about AI and campaign. Jessica, this was so fascinating. Thank you so much. My pleasure. Thanks for having me. And that'll do it for today's episode of On the Merits. It was produced by myself, David Schultz. Our editor is Greg Henderson. And our executive producer is Josh Block. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time. Those nine justices in Washington can be hard to keep track of. That's where we come in. I'm Kimberly Robinson. I'm Greg Storr. And I'm Lydia Wheeler. On our podcast, Cases and Controversies, we give you a week-by-week -week accounting of the Supreme Court. The filings, the arguments, the yachts, and much, much more. Check in on Fridays with Cases and Controversies to find out what's coming up on the horizon at the Supreme Court. Download and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts.